Hi, I'm Jayan Sriram and welcome to In Focus, the Hindu's analysis podcast. Thanks for joining us. Today's episode is leading up to a very big day in the Supreme Court tomorrow where hearings will commence on over 60 petitions that have been filed challenging the constitutional validity of the Citizenship Amendment Act. And also in that respect this episode is about getting into a little more detail about one of those suits that is the suit filed by the Kerala government against the law that's actually likely to be clubbed in with all the others. So to be clear this is not about getting into detailed explanations of um article 131 under which the Kerala government has filed the suit and the merits of the suit itself we might do that later as this develops but this is more to look at the broader questions of state's opposition to laws passed by the center the move by Kerala is kind of used interchangeably with various statements now uh, made by the congress and leaders in various states saying that they will not implement the CAA or the national population register uh, the npr which is seen as a precursor to an nrc just a couple of days ago there was some confusion because congress leader kapil sibal who is a leading legal mind of course was speaking at an event and he said that it would be unconstitutional for states to deny the implementation of the caa then he tweeted something about it the next day which was portrayed as a backtrack but was actually just a separate point that he believes the caa is unconstitutional and that Every state assembly has the right to pass a resolution and argue against it in the Supreme Court. So, I just wanted to draw out that distinction a little bit more because I think it explains the powers that the center has over the states and it also gives more clarity to the state of Kerala's case and what they will be arguing for in the Supreme Court. So, I caught up with K Venkatramanan who's our top legal commentator here and we just attempted to flesh this out a bit. So KV I think it's important at this point to give context to the suit filed by the state of Kerala because um it's possible actually it's quite likely that it will be clubbed in along with the other suits that's going to be taken up by the Supreme Court tomorrow. Um important I think because the Kerala suit has caused some confusion about what actually opposition to the citizenship law by non-BJP states entails which I think is one way to read the couple civil statements because I think the move by Kerala um and i suppose punjab will also take the same uh, route is being used interchangeably here with uh, statements made by political leaders saying that they will not implement the caa or the uh, national population register uh, that is the npr so just to make that distinction first if the supreme court does find that the caa is constitutional can individual states not implement it do they have any powers in that regard okay uh see the administrative relations between the center and the state have been set out in the constitution yeah uh one of the main features is that the state governments are obliged by the constitution to implement all laws enacted by parliament and whenever they are to be implemented at the state level article 256 actually says that the executive power of the state shall be exercised so as to ensure compliance with the laws made by parliament and it also specifies that existing laws that apply in that state uh, should also be implemented or should also be complied with and that the union of india has the power to giving directions to the state which are necessary to imp- get that law implemented in addition to that you know the constitution also imposes a negative obligation on the states 
that they should act in a way that will not impede or prejudice the exercise of the executive power of the union government. In other words, the state are obliged to implement a central law, the states are obliged not to impede or prejudice the implementation of a central law and that the union of India has the power to give directions to the state. This is the constitutional scheme. Now, when we uh, hear of people saying that they will not implement, say, the Citizenship Amendment Act or the National Population Register or the uh, National Register of Indian Citizens, what they actually mean is that they want to record a political protest, firstly. Uh, as far as the Citizenship Amendment law is concerned, you know, the rules are yet to be framed. So, we do not know the mechanism by which the applications are going to be scrutinized. In the normal process, that is without this amendment, an application for naturalization can be entertained by the collector, the district collector, who normally reports to the state government. So, he has to forward it to the Union Home Ministry. And uh, in case there is any verification to be done at the local level, it will also be carried out by the revenue and police authorities of the state. To that extent, they have a contributory role. But it also says that the Act, or the Citizenship Act says that uh, you know, if there is an unreasonably long period, the Union Home Ministry can ask the state why a particular application is being delayed, why it is not being forwarded to also. Now, if they have an online mechanism for implementing the current amendment, uh, the role of the state uh, authorities may be minimal. It is possible that the Union government may allow or entertain applications directly online and uh, thereafter process it. It depends on how they are going to frame those rules. Uh, uh, as regards the national population registry is concerned, uh, uh, we had the occasion to discuss this earlier also. Yeah. It is uh, going to be done along with the house listing uh, phase of the 2021 census and which means that the house listing is done much in advance. It is going to take place uh, in April, between April and September this year. So, during this phase, uh, state government staff are likely to be deployed in great numbers. This is where I think the most relevant part of the state government's threat, uh, you know, comes into play. Uh, the, if they don't want NPR to be implemented, it is at that stage or at this stage of the NPR that they should record their protest. Uh, once again, you know, there are different ways of doing it. One is to, you know, for a possible boycott, which may itself attract you know, the provisions of the constitution. The state uh, declines to comply with the central law. It has its own consequences. Uh, as you know, that a direction can be issued under Article 257 and 256. It is an extreme scenario in which a state regularly or uh, uh, defiantly refuses to implement the law. And thereafter, it is possible for the president to come to a conclusion that the state is not being run according to the constitution. Uh, I think under Article 355, the president can conclude that a particular state is not being governed in accordance with the constitution. And once there is, uh, you know, an opinion formed to that effect, it becomes open to the president to take over the functions of the state government under Article 356. I mean, these are extreme scenarios that we are thinking about. Right now, every state seems to be aware. That's what the Congress leader Kapil Sibel Sibeli said, the states can't decline cooperation in matters of implementing central laws. This is what he meant. There is a constitutional obligation and no government wants to be seen as 
consciously defying the constitution. As of now, it remains a political protest. So, we are talking about uh, the coercive power that the state has to implement laws passed by parliament. So, first when we are talking about section, I think 256 uh, yes. and 250, 257 yes. that you mentioned. What, what do those what do those provisions say in particular? Is it about uh, That's what I said, allocating staff? Yeah. No, the executive power of the state shall be excised in a manner that will ensure compliance with the laws of parliament and that the executive power of the state shall be excised so as not to impede or prejudice the implementation of uh, laws enacted by parliament. These are the obligations and both provisions say that if necessary the Union of India can issue directions to the state government concerned. Right. So, that is yeah. under 256 and 257. And then there is a further, the center has further recourse to no, a more… Actually, this will yeah. be enough because this is the maximum that has, uh, the center can do. Hmm. Because I doubt if the, there is any state government that will willfully deny, defy uh, an order from the center. Uh, things should not come to such a pass normally. Uh, the second thing is the politically, you know, the individuals may choose not to respond to NPR questions, all of the questions. I think the controversial questions are only one or two, particularly about the birthplace of one's parents mm -hmm. and uh, about details such as these that may, you know, compromise uh, their, uh, uh, cast a doubt on their citizenship status. Because as you know, for certain categories of people, one's parents should have been born in India and uh, one's parents should not be an illegal migrant. Yeah. So, if if a person does not know where his parent was born or which year, it is possible that the official concern may entertain a doubt. So, this is where, you know, some people saying do not answer all questions. And the doubts have arisen about what exactly, uh, you know, the government plans to do with such information. They have been repeatedly, I mean, the Union Home Ministry has been clarifying repeatedly that you need not produce any document or that uh, the, a mere statement about any particular will be taken at face value and that proof will not be asked for, asked for at the NPR stage. And they have also said that, you know, you, you can, uh, if you do not know a particular detail, it will not prejudice you. I mean, how far these are going to be implemented, we do not know, but as of now, individuals may boycott the NPR, but it also comes at a cost. The rules provide for a thousand rupee fine for willfully refusing to answer a question posed by the enumerator. As, uh, when that is uh, to the, the, a small extent to which individuals will be forced to respond to it. Beyond that, as of now, there is no major provision. Okay. Yeah. But again, I am curious to know what, what actually is the implication of a state then deciding to oppose or can they not do that in the first place? See, it, constitutionally and legally it is not possible to do that. But what we see is a statement of principle. Right. So, Kerala and Punjab have followed up their stand mm. with formal uh, corrective action. One of, it, uh, one of these actions is that both have passed resolutions yeah. in their legislative assemblies declaring that, uh, you know, the Citizenship Amendment Act is not contrary to the constitution, it violates equality, it is inherently discriminatory and that they have called upon the union to withdraw the enactment. So, this is one uh, possible way out and uh, Kerala has already challenged it in the Supreme Court by raising it as a dispute under Article 131. Punjab is also contemplating the same measure. So, the, this actually, you know, gives a very strong extenuating reason for Kerala not to implement it. 
you can say that we have challenged the validity of this act itself. So until there is some clarity on it, we are not going to implement it. I think that's the that's how they are going to uh, present the situation. That's how we understand okay. it. So the Kerala government in their suit has also acknowledged that under yes. 256, they yeah. are obliged to uh, see, comply. It, interestingly, you know, the possibility that this is a political dispute yeah. between the party that rules Kerala and the party that rules at the center is, also looms large. So are you merely disagreeing with it because you are opposed to the act where the center wants it to be enforced? Is this a political dispute or is this a legal dispute? So, under Article 131, legal disputes can be taken up. It, 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 something that uh, illegal, uh, the dispute should be one such on which the existence or extent of a legal right, you know, is concerned. Now, uh, Kerala is raising this precise point as the origin of the dispute. That is, on the one hand, we have the coercive power of parliament, of the center which casts an obligation for us to implement an act. Yeah. On the other, we strongly feel that this act is unconstitutional. So how, we, in, a, in other words, we will be compelled to implement something that we do not believe to be constitutional and legal. So to the extent that we believe so and uh, we are under an obligation to implement it, there is a dispute between the center and the state. So this affects the legal rights of the state of Kerala as well as its inhabitants. That is how they are portraying the current situation as it instead of being an impediment to the filing of the suit, it is becoming a ground for the raising of the dispute itself. Does that mean they are challenging Article 256? No. They are saying that uh, since Article 256 casts an obligation on us to run our state in accordance with parliamentary laws and oh, on the other hand, at the same time, we are not able to implement this particular law. We have an, ob an obligation to decide the validity of the act before we are asked to implement it. That's how it's framed. Um, in terms of suits filed by the state against suits filed by individual, because there's the possibility now that the Supreme Court might actually include the two. Uh, yeah. Is that is that possible? Are the grounds yes, the no, same? Uh, uh, yeah. See, once the, the government suit is admitted, Mm. But the legal questions become the same. Kerala's argument is substantially the same as what other petitioners are arguing, that it is contrary to Articles 14 and 25 of the Constitution. Basically, it discriminates on the basis of religion. It, can, it forces someone to acknowledge, I mean, certain religion, and it makes religion the, defi the defining uh, criterion for naturalization. I mean, these are some of the grounds there. Okay. Yeah. And that it is irrational, that the, the choice of the three countries is not intelligible, is not based on intelligible criteria. And the choice of religions and the exclusion of others or other vulnerable persecuted groups, that is also irrational and arbitrary. So these are various grounds on which it is being challenged. So I do not foresee a major uh, you know, problem in this writ petitions filed by other entities and the states uh, suits being taken up and disposed of together. Right. Okay. So, um, then again, it, the question comes to historical precedent. Um, the, the, the suits filed by Kerala and the one that's going to be filed by Punjab, what can we compare it to in our legal history? Has this happened? Has such a situation happened before? Actually, this is quite unique because, okay. uh, you know, well, the many, some central enactments or provisions of central enactments have been challenged. But these were largely related to the, uh, the material rights of the state. 
For example, I think there was this famous case of Bihar challenging the acquisition or Bengal challenging the acquisition of coal bearing areas. I mean, the land was acquired because they were meant for coal mines. The center took it over and that was challenged. And that was, I think, the act was upheld. And we have other things like during reorganization of states, disputes will arise. For instance, uh, Punjab and Haryana were divided and there was the Punjab Reorganization Act, out of which one provision concerned how to uh, manage water disputes. I think it was section 58 of that Reorganization Act, which uh, which was questioned by one of the parties. So, the, I mean, this is the, uh, and then you have, uh, I think there are some, even Andhra, Andhra Pradesh and Telangana had a dispute over uh, the Reorganization Act as far as the sharing of electricity is concerned. I mean, how to determine the revenue of the state electricity board, how it is apportioned. I mean, on these issues, which actually right, affect the legal rights of the new entities created by the reorganization of states. I mean, that sort of dispute has, you know, come up. But this is the first time a, a, a general law, which is applicable to all, you know, the people at large being, you know, questioned. Right. See, I find that surprising because uh, if you compare it to countries, okay, this is not a, I'm not trying to make a straight comparison between India and the US, but say there's in a case of a federal government presiding over several different states, some of which are very ideologically opposed yeah. to the federal government. I feel like in the US, this comes up a lot. A, a lot of their law can be understood in this frame of states opposing the center, individual liberties versus the federal government, this whole... Yeah question of who is the federal government to tell me how to frame my laws, how to That's, live my life, yeah. etc. Uh, why is it that uh, this question hasn't come up a lot in India? Is it because there's something very different with the, uh, the system? Uh, the, basically, the systems are different. Right. Ours is a union of states. It's not exactly a federation. The United States, the, the states themselves agreed to be part of a federation. So, they existed prior to the union. Right. So, so uh, initially a given number of states came together and more, more and more states were added to the union. That's how it came, the United States of America came up. And, there are, and also their constitution is, uh, uh, you know, uh, does not work on the basis of the state, central and concurrent lists. Uh, basically, they have a, sta a, a list of subjects in which Congress can uh, enact law. The rest of it is just level. It's called the residuary power of legislation. So, whatever is not specifically mentioned in a list of subjects, there the states get to enact laws. In India, the residuary power is vested in the center. If, the, if there is a subject which is not listed in any of the lists, parliament can enact law on it. Whereas okay. the states cannot. That's one reason. And secondly, the, 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 the level of disputation is quite high because even... Uh, because of a presidential system, uh, decrees are also allowed. For instance, President Trump's executive orders on how to treat migrants. S several states, you know, filed suits against it in, the, in different jurisdictions. So, if, if, it, if, it is more explicit there. Here we have a certain limitation as to what sort of suit can be filed under Article 131. It is uh, the definition is that it should be a dispute upon which the existence or extent of a legal right depends. Okay. Uh, so you have to prove the existence of a legal right, and uh, whereas you know it is possible that uh, uh, the, 
the federal rights and the states rights are quite you know apparent more obvious in the united states that they it's easier to raise a dispute that way okay so the default position in our constitution is that states do have to implement this. yes yes yeah. there is so, okay and so let's just finish it by asking then um, you know since these cases are coming up tomorrow in your opinion is this mostly just a principle stand or can it actually lead to any kind of major discussion on states rights versus center i think this question will arise only with respect to the petitions by kerala and punjab the suits but otherwise i think the hearings will by and large turn on the merits of the citizenship amendment act itself okay so we do not know how they are going to whether they are going to take it up differently or I mean treat it differently or club it together i expect them to club it together and of course this question will also arise in a different form in a case unrelated to the citizenship amendment act which is uh, chatisgarh suit against the national investigating agency right investigation agency act of 2008 they are raising an and a substantially different question which is that the nia is a the a central government exercising the power of the police which is vested exclusively on the states in our constitution so that is what they are going to challenge and that may involve a more substantive discussion on state and the central rights as such okay kb thanks thanks for joining us